Well, we have a very good episode coming up on the Arantia Radio podcast. This time up, we're going to talk about the origins of one of the most significant religious ceremonies of all time, the Sabbath. Plus, we'll have some good discussions about Adam and Eve and so much more coming up on the Arantia Radio podcast. Welcome. I am making progress on the new name of the podcast, which you're hearing about on now two platforms. It's kind of weird how to navigate the the uh, the digital space, but we do it the best that we can. It's like the Wild West. But the great thing is, is that through social media and uh, and the way that we can now communicate through audio files and podcasts and so forth, it really does help. People share knowledge with each other, ideas, and it's it's we're so still in the infancy, but my goodness, people are discovering podcasts just like you're discovering this one. And this one is uh, formerly Urantia Book Radio, but we're transitioning to something a little different, and we're calling it Inside the Revelation, uh, the Urantia Book Podcast. I want to talk about the Sabbath. And I saw this article written by someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for, Dennis Prager. And he wrote this article, and it appeared in uh, Town Hall, February 7th, 2023. What My Synagogue May Change Its Prayer for America. It's a great article. And basically the opening prayer for their Sabbath, which they read aloud every week, quote, Eternal God, we ask your continued blessings for our country, the United States of America, a beacon of light, liberty, and justice in a darkened world. Sustain us in times of uncertainty. Guard us from calamity. Give us the courage to confront evil and competence, never to yield to fear. And it goes on, but essentially the article is about they, they felt like they needed to change something in the prayer because they want the prayer to be honest. And what Prager says is they wanted to change the sentence, a beacon of light, liberty, and justice, because they felt that it no no longer reflected what America has become. That's, that's pretty heavy, uh, because we are going through a tremendous amount of social and cultural change, no question. Uh, but what, what jumped out at me is the Sabbath. And I thought, you know, what does the Urantia book have to say about the Sabbath? So, of course, I, I mentioned this before. If you've got the little book on your phone, which you can get on Android or Apple, get the phone. It's free. I think they ask now if you want to pay like a buck or two a month, which I don't mind doing because it goes right to the foundation. I'd probably pay more if I had to. It's, you know, the feeling of walking around with the fifth epical revelation in your pocket is pretty cool. But let me find the draft. Let me, oh, so where did the Sabbath come from? So 174 mentions of the word Sabbath in the Arantia book. And, and, and I thought, well, this is a good example of what's inside the revelation that is relevant to what we are about. What is the book about? It's about revealing information to us to help improve our quality of thinking about origins, destiny, purpose, about the reality of the universe in which we live. 
That's the essence of the Urantia book is to uplift us. No different than when you stick something in a computer or you get a hard drive, a hard drive update from Windows or Apple. They're just reconfiguring and improving the hardware so that the machine runs more efficiently. <clears throat> and that's my interpretation of an epical revelation. It's no different from a periodic software upgrade. You know, in, in many ways, our bodies are like computers. And, and the better quality of thinking, the better the quality of person. That's, that's, that's what, I, what I get from all of this. The, the, the desire to know God and the desire to be like him and act like him and act as if, if, if you were a wise, loving, merciful uh, creature, which you have the ability to be. And it comes through really well when you're a parent. You know, being a parent is the end all on if you really want to know what God feels like, and I'm sure a lot of people listening who are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's about improving the quality of thinking, right? So we've got the Sabbath. What's the Sabbath? Well, here's what uh, reformjudaism.org describes. And I think it's important because it sort of <clears throat> sets the pace for what, what I'm going to share with you with the Arantia book has to say about the Sabbath, for those who may not recall or don't know. <clears throat> the Sabbath, or the Shabbat in Hebrew, is one of Judaism's greatest gifts to humanity. People in the ancient Near East had nothing similar to the Jewish concept of a weekly sacred day of rest. Other cultures in the past knew of a seven-day week based on the phases of the moon, but the Israelite Sabbath is not connected to the movements of celestial bodies. It stands apart. Where did the biblical Israelites get the idea of a weekly day of rest? The origin of the word Shabbat is obscure. Various scholarly theories have been advanced to resolve the puzzle, with none being totally satisfactory. Some say it is simply ordained by God in the Bible from Exodus 28. Others argue that it was adopted from other people in the past. In ancient Babylonia, the Akkadian and the Shabbatum corresponded to the 15th day of the month as a day of quitting God's heart or quieting God's heart. There are those who maintain <clears throat> that it comes from another Akkadian word, sabutum, meaning the seventh day. By the way, the Akkadians uh, lived in and around the area of uh, Lake Van. I'm not sure if you knew that, but in close proximity to that region, which if you know your your, your Rancho book, the Nodites, uh, Van, Vanites, they settled in Lake Van and uh, sustained a highly civilized culture. And they were, in fact, involved in the preparation of the Garden of Eden. So could there be a connection? The words sabetum, meaning seventh day in Akkadian. Some claim that Moses learned about the Sabbath from Jethro, his father-in-law. And we know Moses gets his teachings, many of them passed down from the Kenites. And the Kenites were important because, why? Because Melchizedek lived with a Kenite family for like 60 years, something like that. So it's possible that the Sabbath may have run down the cultural river, landing in, no pun intended, with Moses. 
The historian Josephus ridiculed the opinion of the antagonist Apion in Greco-Egyptian grammarian living in Rome, who said that after the exodus from Egypt, when the Jews traveled a six-day journey, they had to booboos, which was an insult, in their groin, and that on this account it was that they rested on the seventh day. For that malady of booboos, boobos, and their groin was named Sabatosia by the Egyptians. That was an inside joke from the historian Josephus. Boy, they had quite a sense of humor back then, didn't they? <clears throat> it is also not clear how the noun Shabbat was originally connected to the web Shabbat, with a V, meaning to rest, or if one was actually derived from the other. And then uh, uh, reformjudaism.org con continues, in priestly writings of the Bible, the Sabbath is viewed as the holy day, a day set aside for God and the concluding phase of the world's creation from Genesis 2, 1 through 3, as well as perpetual, uh, a perpetual memorial of creation, which we find in reference to Exodus 31 and also Ezekiel 20, 12 through 20, and Exodus 16, which deals with the double portion of the manna received from God in the wilderness after the Exodus, referring to the Sabbath as the Shabbaton. Quote, tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy Sabbath of the Lord. So now we turn to the few passages of which there are, as I mentioned, over 174 mentions of the word Sabbath in the Arantia book. So let's start with paper 74, where it tells about the origins of Sabbath. In recounting the first seven days that Adam and Eve, a reminder here, a material son and a daughter of divine origin, they learn about their new home. And we read from paper 74. The amazing events of the first six days of Adam and Eve on earth were entirely too much for the unprepared minds of even the world's best men. Their heads were in a whirl. They were swept along with the proposal to bring the noble pair up to the Father's temple, Adam and Eve they're talking about, which they wanted to do at high noon in order that everyone might bow down in respectful worship and prostrate themselves in humble submission. And the garden dwellers were really sincere in all of this. So this is right after Adam and Eve get an inspection tour of the Garden of Eden, which had been prepared for them, as the Arantia book states in the previous paper. And Adam and Eve, as mentioned, a divine son and daughter, a revelation of the second epical revelation, actually. And this was about 36,000 years ago, 37,000 years ago. And again, the first Garden of Eden was not in Babylonia, but it was situated along the Syrian coast, not far from actually where that earthquake occurred a couple of days ago. The terrible, terrible earthquake, 7.8 earthquake. Uh, anyway, so continuing on with 74, paper 3, section 3, Van, of Lake Van fame, protested against this adoration against Adam and Eve. Amadon, his human assistant, was absent, being in charge of the guard of honor, which had remained behind with Adam and Eve overnight. But Van's protest was swept aside. He was told that he was likewise too modest, too unassuming, that he was not far from a god himself. 
how else could he have lived on Earth for so long? And, of course, we know that Lake Van is named after this, this name lost in history, perhaps survived by the Acadians. Who, know, who knows? And as the excited Edenites were about to seize him and carry him up to the mount for adoration, Van made his way out of the throng and being able to communicate with the nearby unseen friends, the Midwayers, they sent their leader in great haste to Adam to inform him of what was going on. And it was near the dawn of the seventh day on earth that Adam and Eve heard the startling news of this proposal of these well-meaning but misguided mortals. And then, even while the passenger birds were swiftly winging to bring them to the temple, again, this is 37, 38,000 years ago, when Adam and Eve arrived, they transported Adam and Eve to the Father's temple. The Father's temple is a constru construction of a temple, a symbolic temple of the Father in heaven that Adam and Eve and all uh, gardens of Eden have, by the way, on all worlds. And it was early on the morning of the seventh day and from the mount of their so recent reception that Adam held forth an explanation of the orders of divine sonship and made clear to these earth minds that only the Father and those whom he designates may be worshipped. Adam made it plain that he would accept any honor and receive all respect, but worship never. It was a momentous day, and just before noon, about the time of the arrival of these seraphic messengers bearing the Jerusalem acknowledgement of the installation of the world's new, new rulers, Adam and Eve, moving apart from the throng, pointed to the Father's temple and said, quote, Go you now to the material emblem of the Father's invisible presence and bow down in worship of him who made us all and who keeps us living. And let this act be the sincere pledge that you will never again be tempted to worship anyone but God. They all did this as Adam directed. The material son and daughter stood alone on the mount with bowed heads while the people prostrated themselves about the temple. And this was the origin of the Sabbath day tradition. Always in Eden, the seventh day was devoted to the noontide assembly at the temple. Long it was the custom to devote this day to self-culture. The forenoon was devoted to physical improvement, the noontime to spiritual worship, the afternoon to mind culture, while the evening was spent in social rejoicing. This was never the law in Eden, but it was the custom as long as the Adamic administration held sway on earth. <clears throat> um, again, and that's how it trickled down into the pages of history and onto the pages of the early scripture and uh, the books of Genesis and Exodus. And so before we bring this episode to an end, I want to read a short passage that, in fact, uh, today, again, on the subject of the Sabbath. Um, that in my conversations recently, you know, there's an upcoming solar eclipse that crosses on April 8th of 2024. We've talked about it briefly. And next year, uh, the eclipse that we're going to witness 
is seven years to the date of the last one, and they both intersect at Bald Knob Cross in southern Illinois. So the seven-year-ago eclipse and this upcoming one, they intersect at one place in the United States, and it happens to be at the exact center point of this cross. So there's a lot of speculation among some Urantia book readers as to what the significance is of this. And, of course, we've talked about it before on the the program. But uh, I want to read this from paper 52 because this is the second time they mention the word Sabbath in the Urantia book. From paper 57, section 7, paragraph 11. It was at the conclusion of the terminal mission of the teacher's son, at least that would be the chronology on a normal world, that John wrote, quote, I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a princess adorned for the prince. And then they write, This is the same renovated earth, the advanced planetary stage that the olden seer envisioned when he wrote, quote, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, so shall you and your children survive, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. That's, by the way, a quote from the Bible, and I believe it's Isaiah. And to this day, the Sabbath represents the day of rest, the day where we give thanks to God. And it goes back 39,000 years. I would say interesting. I would say very interesting, very fascinating. And yet another example of the the fine information that we get from the Revelation, the Urantia book. So we'll set sail and we'll reconvene at a future time in the not-too-distant future, and I appreciate you stopping by. Don't forget, the UrantiaRadio.net website is a great place to start if you want to connect with other readers or find out what's going on in the Urantia community. And if you want to look for my new podcast, will be a supplement to this one. It's called Inside the Revelation, the Arantia Book Podcast. Until next time, thanks again for stopping by. <laughs>